up quick at about noon. Thank you for downloading the Thursday, June 18th edition of the podcast with Damian Barling, presented by Vibe Health Bar. This week just rolls along right here, but as time kind of has for the last several months. So happy you decided to join us here today and every day. If you're new to the show, subscribe, rate, review. Uh, leave us a five-star rating. Of course, only if you think we're worth it. It only takes a split second. Uh, if you really dig what we're doing, you can leave us a review. That takes about an extra 45 to 60 seconds, maybe 60 to 90, depending on how much thought you want to put into your review. We just want to know that you dig what we're doing. Uh, if you want us to make some changes, if you think we could add some more coverage of something, uh, got to dig into something a little deeper, shoot us a text message, 916-888-5898. Of course, that text line is open for conversations all throughout the day. Again, 916-888-5898. Email address DamianBarling at me.com. Hope you got an opportunity to check out the latest episode of the Deuce and Mo podcast. I was really happy to hang out with them. We did it in video format. Um, it was the first time we've done a show together. They've been doing the podcast a really long time. And, and uh, you know, we did our first show together just a year into this one. So, you know, and, and I know, you know, Deuce and I had talked a little bit about this. We kind of, we hadn't connected in a while. You know, he, you know, him and Mo both, you know, shot me a message after KHTK, you know, my time at, at 1140 came to an end. And I know we we tried to connect a, a couple of times, you know, early in that, in that time frame. And like, so it was let go in May, so maybe like June, July, we started to, you know, we tried to connect it. It just, it didn't really work out. Um, then the basketball season rolls around. Obviously they got the Stockton gig to go along with it too. And we just, we hadn't really connected with each other. And then, you know, it kind of got awkward because for me, I felt like I was on the outside of the sports media picture in our market. And so I was always hesitant to kind of reach out to people. Like everybody talks about like the connections that you make and the relationships that you make. But, you know, I can't speak for anyone's experiences, but my own, I'd get hesitant to use them. I never wanted people to think I was reaching out for them and I was asking for something or I wanted something or I was hoping that they could help me with something, even though you should never be too proud to ask for help. I just I, I don't know. I felt it just got to the point where it, it was weird. And so Deuce and Mo and I, we went a long time without, you know, just checking and texting in with each other or anything like that. Probably should have been texting or checking in with each other. But, you know, I mess up my words all the time, so. We just roll right past that. And then, a, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Deuce just shot me a, a, a pretty cool, you know, lengthy text like, hey, you know, see, yeah, a lot of what he said at the end of the show, we see what you're doing. We're proud of you, man. Keep it up. You're motivating us. And it's like, oh, that's a that's a pretty dope text. And and Mo followed up with with one kind of similar later. So, I, you know, it was it was cool to to reconnect with them and then, you know, to be able to just sit down and talk with them for I had no idea we were talking for almost an hour and a half, like none. We went, I think, I think the exact run, I think the exact run time was an hour and 22 minutes. I had no idea we were talking that long. We were just, you know, we were laughing, we were, you know, telling stories, telling our side of stories at KHTK and, you know, kind of what we dig next and, you know, the, the, the fears and starting your own podcast. And, and, you know, now we're trying to, we're trying to build something out, man. And if you listen close enough, you heard us, you know, kind of drop some breadcrumbs about what we're trying to do. And I know I've said over the course of the last couple of days, if you have aspirations in being in sports media and you know, you, you, you have a desire perhaps to do radio, even if it's not in sports, 
even if it's in you know some other form maybe it's as a like a like a radio show host like on 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 KSFM or the end or 98 rock or something like that yo reach out um we're we're trying to find avenues where we can help you and when I say we I mean myself and Deuce and Mo like we have a lot of we have a lot of things that we're working on. They're all very, you know, they're in the very, very early stages, man. But we're 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 trying to build something. Uh, so I hope you got the opportunity to check that out. Deuce and Mo, uh, their podcast is fantastic. Just search it in your podcast platform, and uh, we're gonna keep building. We're gonna keep growing. Uh, if you're a Patreon subscriber, Patreon.com/slash Damien Barling, let's go ahead and hit some Stevie Wonder here. Uh, you may have noticed I dropped a new episode of Be Conscious yesterday featuring uh, Dr. Christopher Messer. He is a sociology professor at Colorado State University. We spent a great deal of time talking about, particularly, we, we, we talked about the reaction to, to riots. We talked about, you know, the terms like triggering points and underpinnings of riots. And we kind of related what happened in Black Wall Street, something people seem to be talking a lot about over the course of the last couple of days or over the last couple of weeks, I should say, something that has really been catapulted into the mainstream for the first time, you know, Black Wall Street or Tulsa 1921. And we tried to lay out in, in, in detail, but abbreviated detail, what happened over the course of those four days, why it's so important for you to know about it, and how it relates to today. Again, you can't summarize what is the massacre of one of the most, if not the most, affluent black community in the early 1900s. Uh, you, 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 you can't discuss it in great te- detail over you know, 40 minutes. But we tried to give people like a, like a detailed understanding of what went on over those four days down you know, from everything to you know, what led to it. Uh, what the you know we we use the term a lot underpinnings there are you know in in situations like this there are there are triggering events like George Floyd was a triggering event to what is going on right now in the world as it pertains to to to, to race relations and, and to social justice. Meanwhile, the underpinnings Lamont Aubrey was an underpinning. Uh, Breonna Taylor was an underpinning. It wasn't the 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 event that catapulted people into reaction, but it was there and it was bubbling just under the surface and people knew it. And, you know, it's important, which, which I actually thought we did a really good job of laying out in this particular episode of Be Conscious. It's, it's important to understand that incidents like what happened with George Floyd, incidents like what, what happened in, in, in Atlanta, Georgia, um, incidents that happened here in Sacramento, Stephon Clark and and incidents that have happened all over the world it, it they're not they're not isolated when you talk about black lives matter it's not isolated to George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey and Breonna Taylor it's not isolated to Stephon Clark it's not isolated to Michael Brown and it's not isolated to Trayvon Martin black lives matter could go back centuries the when when people are screaming for police reform when people are screaming we've got to restructure this entire system it's not based off of the death of this one individual it's not based off the collective deaths of all of these individuals that you've seen through viral video it's based on stuff that has been going on in this country for centuries 
In Black Wall Street, 1921, Tulsa was nearly 100 years ago, and I think it's important for you to hear so you can perhaps get a better grasp of what the relationship between the African-American community in this country and the police force has always been. So if you're a subscriber or you've ever been thinking about becoming a subscriber, go to patreon.com slash Barling. Check that out. If you're still unsure, if you're still unsure about committing financially to the program, I completely understand. Times are tough. Virtually the entire country seems to be on unemployment. I get it. And it seems to be getting worse. So I understand. So the, the, the people who are contributing to the, you know, to the financial progress of this program, and I am, I, I am grateful beyond measure. But I do want to tell you one more thing. Tomorrow is Juneteenth. Again, this is another thing that I, people, I, I believe people are, are, are learning about the first time. And, and don't get frustrated with me, by the way. I just want to run over these things real quick. We're going to talk about Major League Baseball here in just a couple of minutes. We're going to talk about what the NBA Coaches Association had to say. Uh, we'll do a couple of on these days. I missed another freaking birthday. Of course I did. I clearly need to find a new website to get my birthdays from because I missed my favorite hip-hop artist's birthday yesterday. I got cubes right. But it's pretty much been all downhill ever since we celebrated Ice Cube's birthday. So, you know, we'll get to that. But I, I just wanted to let you know, with Juneteenth being tomorrow, I'll probably, I'm, I'm, I'm going to spend a couple of minutes on tomorrow's podcast explaining to you what Juneteenth is and why we're celebrating it. I don't know why we're celebrating it in the mainstream for the first time. This is something black people have celebrated forever. But you know, there's there's been a shift. There's been a shift in 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 attention to detail this is the it's the best way i can put it there's been a shit sacramento kings are celebrating juneteenth the washington football team for god's sakes celebrating juneteenth and and, hey it's good for washington but probably some other things you can fix along the way before you start celebrating black holidays like you know your name in any event at midnight I'm going to drop a, a, a bonus episode of Be Conscious. So my original idea was I wanted to do two episodes this week because I wanted to release one on the, you know, on the, on the daily platform, on this platform that you're listening to this show on. And I never want the people who subscribe on Be Conscious to feel cheated. I never want them to feel like I'm giving away the content that they pay for. So decided I was going to do two episodes. And my original idea was to put the Tulsa episode out for free because there seems to be such a great interest in it. And yesterday was a busy day, man. And if I could ever do an audio 30 for 30 on what the last like two and a half weeks have been like for, you know, for, for, for me and, and, and for all of us who, who, who have kind of built out this podcast that we've got going on here, uh, it'd be something. And yesterday was like the exclamation point on all of it, man. It was, it was, it was crazy. But I, I recorded the interview with Dr. Messer, the sociology professor, had a couple of conferences, put, put the episode together. Released it on Patreon, had a couple of conference calls I had to do, wrapped up a conference call, and then called Tyler Merritt. Tyler Merritt is the guy who did a video recently, or I, let me rephrase that. Tyler Merritt is the guy you saw on a video recently that's titled, Before You Call the Cops. It's a, it's a close-up shot of him. He's a black dude with dreadlocks, kind of like grayish dreadlocks, full beard. He talks about, I, I love basketball, but I also love hockey. And then he goes on to say, this is my brother and this is my niece. And he shows different pictures and they're all different races and ethnicities and all that stuff. I called him and we talked for almost an hour. 
And I thought, man, when, when, and, and as soon as like, when you're, when you're doing a podcast, when you're doing an interview, right, you, you know, and I knew about, I knew about 15 minutes in, I was like, this is, this is good. Like, this is really, really good. Cause we were just, I, we were just in a free flowing conversation and that's kind of the, you know, those are, those are pluses and, 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 and minuses. You know, we talk about aspiring journalists. You always want to be prepared. Like, you want to be completely prepared. I had so many notes in front of me uh, for my interview with Dr. Messi, Messer, the sociology professor. And with Tyler, it was more of, okay, I have a direction. I don't have notes, but I have a direction. And there are two different types of interviews because you're dealing with two types of different people. Dr. Messer's a sociology professor. He's used to teaching and writing and doing all of those different things. Whereas Tyler Merritt, what he is, is a speaker. And man, he spoke. And I thought as soon as it's done, everybody needs to hear this. So I'm going to put that episode on our feed. In addition to the podcast, I'm going to do the regular daily podcast tomorrow. But as, a, as just a bonus, I'm going to put this episode of Be Conscious onto the main feed tonight at midnight and uh, I hope you'll give it a listen Uh, I'll make sure that I record a little warning if you're only here for sports talk and all of that stuff if you're not really interested in what we're doing with be conscious I'll make sure just in case you click on the wrong audio file like hey this is be conscious the 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 regular episode of the podcast will drop at its normal time at you know roughly seven o'clock or whatever so uh, I'm gonna do that and I really hope you'll give it a listen it was a powerful powerful conversation and I really really enjoyed talking to him and I think it's just his I think it's his first appearance of what may be uh, many uh, here, whether on the podcast or on Be Conscious. Uh, so let's get moving here. There's a lot to talk about. Major League Baseball. So Major League Baseball got a couple of things right yesterday. While still getting a couple of things wrong. So let's get to, let's get to what they got wrong because it'll lead us right into what they did good. Major League Baseball. Rob Manfred and Tony Clark, the the head of Major League Baseball and the head of the Major League Baseball Players Association, they got together and they met yesterday. Hey, okay. Well, well, that's good because remember everybody had thrown their hands up and said, well, we're screwed, we're not doing this. Rob Manfred went from 100%, we're playing baseball this year, to ah, we might just have to X the whole season out. All right, so everybody got all of their venom out publicly and now we've met privately. But what they did wrong was instead of just hammering out the details of this deal, and and it appears we're getting close to one, and I'll give those details for you in just a second, they made sure everybody knew that they met. They made sure everybody knew that a deal is in the works. They made sure everybody knew that they're on good terms and we might have a deal to announce as it pertains to Major League Baseball. Not only might we have a deal, we might have a start date for Major League Baseball, Within hours, we might have one today. Like, okay, that's that's great, but why didn't you just hammer out the deal and then tell us? You had to put out a statement first. Rob Manfred says, at my request, he wants everybody to know that this was at his request. L, come on, man. At my request, Tony Clark and I met for several hours yesterday in Phoenix. We left that meeting with a jointly developed framework that we agreed could form the basis of an agreement and subject to conversations with our respective constituents 
I summarized the framework numerous times in the meeting and sent Tony a written summary today. So there seems to be a great deal of momentum and a great deal of, of positivity surrounding Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association as Rob Manfred and the rest of the owners sent a proposal for a 60-game season at a full prorated rate. Huh. Really? We're going after two months of wasted time and opportunity. We're going full prorated now. Oh man, and, and I get and here I am. I'm praising Major League Baseball for not being stupid for the first time in two months. And yet I'm still looking at this like you're giving them the full prorated salary. You're giving them what you like. What, what are we doing? Like, what took you so long? You you want to celebrate this and you want to be excited for it, but it's really hard to not look at them and shake your head and go, man, you just wasted all of our time. You wasted your time. You wasted their time. But it appears we could be headed towards a Major League Baseball season as soon as one month from tomorrow. We could be heading towards a Major League Baseball season that begins... On July 17th, Buster Only of ESPN reported the 60-game slate would contain 10 off days. Sources on both sides of the negotiation said there is an expectation uh, that further talks will result in a schedule of about 65 games. Uh, Jeff Passan of ESPN reported that this offer, this, this current offer that has been put out there by Major League Baseball, off also includes a, a an expanded playoff format, though no details about what that exactly looks like. Uh, some in the Major League Baseball Players Association don't believe the new plan guarantees enough salary to significantly distinguish it from the league's other proposals. Now, the reason for that is the number of games. The prorated salary is one thing, but the fact that it's a number of games they don't believe uh, it's 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 enough believing that at the very least the number of games at a full prorated salary needs to increase. So they had to release a statement. They couldn't help themselves. They needed some they needed some positivity. They needed people like me who have been trashing them and people like all over sports media and sports talk radio have been trashing them for their inability to get this done. So they needed something positive out of this when ultimately, in my opinion, the only thing that can come out of it is something negative. Because now you have the expectation of not only this getting done, but getting done rather quickly. And so if it doesn't get done and it doesn't get done rather quickly, we're back shaking our head at Major League Baseball. And because... Tony Clark didn't refute this because the Major League Baseball Players Association didn't refute this. I have to believe that Tony Clark was completely on board with the statement going out there. Which leads me to hope, at least, he had some semblance of approval from the Players Association. Like, hey, here's what we got on the table. I'm, I'm with Rob right now. 
Here's what they're talking about. They're going to send over a formal proposal. Here are the outlines. 60 games, full prorated, dot, 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 expanded playoffs. Expanded playoffs means more money. Obviously, the players, they're trying to get more money. Even though they're at their full prorated salary, they're going to try to get up to 65 games. At, at, at minimum, it appears, at least according to Buster Only, they're going to try to get up to 65 games. It's Thursday. I'd be terribly disappointed if on Monday's podcast, we're not talking about the return of the Major League Baseball season. I'll be terribly disappointed, and this will be another catastrophic L for this league and its commissioner. Quite honestly, it's Players Association. It'll, it'll, it'll be a, a, another major L for them if they can't get this done, uh, at least by the time we're recording our show on Monday morning. Because they have put this out there for us as if this is really, really close to being done. Another thing that I'm tired of hearing, I feel like I'm starting this podcast a bit aggressively, so please forgive me. I love Anthony Lynn. I'm a huge Anthony Lynn fan. I have, on several occasions over the last couple of years, been irrationally high on the Los Angeles Chargers. And part of the reason that has been is because not only did, did I think Philip Rivers, not only did I think the team was talented enough, I think they were well coached enough. And it's a team that year after year after year seems to have been decimated by injuries. Inter- interestingly enough, one of those injuries was it was never to Philip Rivers. Like Philip Rivers is an older quarterback. You know he's going to be playing in Indianapolis this year. Like that's fine, but he was never the guy that got hurt. Uh, they had always suffered a, a number of other catastrophic injuries. But I say all that to say this: I really like Anthony Lynn, but it's really starting to piss me off. These coaches talking about Colin Kaepernick, you know, because the headline there's there's this belief that there's momentum towards Colin Kaepernick's return to the league. No, we talked about Roger Goodell yesterday, or this week. We talked about Roger Goodell at some point. Talking about, you know, on that return to sports show on ESPN that I'd, I'd welcome. I'd welcome Colin Kaepernick back to the league. I encourage teams to sign Colin Kaepernick if, they fit in, if he fits into, you know, their system and so on and so forth. Like, that, that's cool. From, from what I understand, it's not the first time... That, that Roger Goodell has lobbied to have Colin Kaepernick sign, though. It's, it's a question of, will a team do it? If so, who? All right, you see this? You see this headline with Anthony Lynn. Well, first of all, let's go back a couple of days. We saw the headline with Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll regrets not signing Colin Kaepernick in 2017. Oh, hey, Pete, it's cool. Ka- hey, Cap's still a free agent, Pete. We're good. You, you could do it now. Ah, nah. Nah, we like what we got. Like, Gino's good. I'm sorry, uh, Pete. Gino who? Well, Gino Smith. Oh. Okay. I mean, hey. Do you, Pete, but really? Because, you know, you know, Cap went to a Super Bowl, right? You know, actually, the last time he was on a roster that didn't suck, he was pretty damn good. But, hey, man, it's, 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 it's all right. Headline, Anthony Lynn says team would be crazy to not work out Colin Kaepernick. Hey, okay, okay. All right, Anthony Lynn, I like it. Well, when you click on the article and you read, you see he's not talking about his team. He's talking about NFL teams. Oh, so it was a general statement. Well, that's okay. The Los Angeles Chargers, they're an NFL team. 
When Anthony Lynn was asked Wednesday if he'd consider having Kaepernick in for a workout, Anthony Lynn responded, Well, I haven't spoken with Colin. Not sure where he's at as far as his career and what he wants to do. Pause. Everybody should be clear what Colin Kaepernick wants to do. He has told us. In fact, it's the only thing that he has told us over the last four years. I want to play football. I am ready to play football. Stop with this silly-ass narrative that we don't know what he wants to do with his career. He worked out at a field in, in, at some high school football field, and I don't even remember what state they were in. Maybe Florida somewhere? I, I don't remember. But he did a workout there. Only time he has spoken to the media in four years, he said, tell general managers, tell coaches, tell them I'm here, tell them I'm ready, tell them I can play, tell them we can talk. I'm ready to listen. What do we, why, why are we still holding on to this? We, we don't know what he wants to do. He told us. It's the only thing that he told us. We know exactly what he wants to do. Maybe, maybe Lynn, maybe Anthony Lynn didn't see that. It's okay. Anthony Lynn's an NFL coach. He's busy. Maybe, maybe he, he didn't see it. I continue with Anthony Lynn's quote here. But Colin definitely fits the style of quarterback for the system that we're going to be running. Hey, okay. I like this. And then Anthony Lynn continues. I'm very confident and happy with the three quarterbacks that I have. (sighs) All right, man. He goes on to say, because I don't want to misrepresent the quote. I'm very confident and happy with the three quarterbacks that I have, but you can never have too many people waiting on the runway. End quote right there. Please stop. Those are, these are legitimately two of my favorite coaches, Pete Carroll and Anthony Lynn. Both of them have managed to piss me off in the last week and a half. Don't, don't do this. Like, don't talk about what Colin Kaepernick would do for the rest of the NFL. You're saying NFL teams would be crazy to not bring Colin Kaepernick in. Well, then bring him in. What are, you, what are we doing? If you, think, if, if you think he's a fit for your system, I, I'm sorry, you got Tyrod Taylor. I get that you just drafted Justin Herbert, and I, and I can see like his, his thinking. Absolutely, Cap fits with this. Who the fuck is Easton Stick? That's your that's your third quarterback on your roster. Somebody named Easton Stick. That that, 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 that I'm, that's not even a real name. Get out of here. That's 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 not a real name. I don't believe it. Says he's a 2019 fifth round pick. I don't need somebody to verify that because I refuse to look up Easton Stick. God knows what'll pop up in the Google machine if you look up Easton Stick. Yeah, I said Google machine because I listen to Conrad Thompson too damn much. Article goes on to say the Chargers have not scheduled a workout with Colin Kaepernick, but Anthony Lynn left open the possibility that one could happen in the future. Lynn has voiced concern, and I guess this is where his too many people on the runway thing comes into play here, is Lynn has voiced concern about the roster depth given the coronavirus pandemic and the likelihood that one or several players could test positive uh, for the virus ahead of scheduled games. And I know there's a fear in the NFL that what happens if a marquee quarterback test positive or a marquee player of any sort test positive for the coronavirus during the season. And I, that's where we started talking about 
Is this where is this where the concussion protocol comes into play? Because the concussion protocol seems to be it seems to be subject to change, if you will. And, you know, you'll see a player get a concussion on a Sunday, but somehow re-enter the game. But by Monday, they're out. Is this a situation where are we looking at a potential situation here where a player, I don't know, Patrick Mahomes, for example, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, one of those high usage rates players, right? Are we looking at a situation where they test positive for, for the coronavirus on Saturday? But it's like, hey, uh, let's keep them away from everybody. And then um, we'll just announce it on Monday. We'll say we did testing on Monday, and then that's when it was positive, and then he goes into isolation from there. He's asymptomatic. He'll be fine. Stop talking about cap coaches. Come on. Unless you're going to be the coach that brings him in. Like Mark Davis said. And then also don't do this. We all know that Mark Davis has no power. Mark Davis said, oh, I, I, I like the idea of signing Colin Kaepernick. You know who doesn't? Mike Mayock. Mike, I, I don't know what John Gruden thinks about Colin Kaepernick. I'm confident Mike Mayock is like, I'm not doing that. Mm-mm. And I think Mike Mayock and John Gruden collectively have done a fine job of attempting to put together this Raider roster. Obviously, they hit a home run with Josh Jacobs in the draft, you know, last year. And I, you know, they're working on building something here. They got Marcus Mariota. I don't know who the third string quarterback is for the team. Obviously, they've got Derek Carr. Those two are probably going to be battling it out for the starting position. Honestly, I feel like you could bring Colin Kaepernick in there and he could probably battle it out too. And the wild thing is, there is a guy who I think could compete for half of the starting quarterback jobs in the league and he doesn't have a job either. He went to a Super Bowl just like Colin Kaepernick did. Unlike Cap, he was an MVP of the league. He ain't got a team. You're going to have to work overtime to convince me that Cam Newton's career is over. Meaning... You don't have to work overtime to convince me his career might be over because teams ain't going to sign him. You're going to have to work overtime to convince me that dude cannot play football anymore. You've got a lot of work ahead of you if you're trying to convince me that Cam Newton, Cam freaking Newton is no longer a starting caliber quarterback in this league. That he's on a roster, but a person allegedly named Easton Stick is. Since we're on the subject of cap, I guess the whole league is going to be taking a knee here in this upcoming season because the latest uh, individual to say, oh, yeah, 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 I'm, 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 I'm definitely going to take a knee is, and, and let me also be fair, I'm not, I'm not criticizing these guys. They're being asked questions. And ultimately what they're doing is they're, they're answering questions. So it's, you know, I don't want to put it 100% on them as if they're they're going out and making these these grand statements about what they're going to do and you know I'd also you know urge all of them to be careful with this cuz it's real easy to say what you're going to do here on June 18th it's probably going to be a little bit more difficult for them when they you know get in that stadium in front of you know at least a a, a sort of empty crowd 
or sort of empty stadium. I'm sure it'll be, despite the fact that COVID-19 is spreading like wildfire right now, I think the NFL is still going to attempt to get fans into their stadium somehow. Uh, but the person I'm talking about is 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 Kyler Murray. Yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be down. Um, like I said, I stand for what's right, um, and that, at the bot that's the bottom line. You know, it, what I call it like I see it, and uh, what's been going on is is completely wrong. So um, I'll be doing. Um, yeah, I'll I'll definitely be taking a knee. And uh, as far as you know, playing games, I don't know. It's um it's a weird situation. Um, trying to, you know, trying not to get sick and then trying not to get my family sick, you know, obviously being out, if whenever we go back, being with the guys, um, we'll all know, you know, who's had it or who got sick. So I can't really tell you, um, we're, I don't know. It, it's, it's a weird situation. Um, Kyle <laughs> I think Murray everybody's attempting to, to you know, answer, doesn't, doesn't you know, work. tough questions that we all try to ask as it pertains to to the coronavirus, but the clip that I wanted you hear was the first one where he was talking about kneeling. I've always said with this podcast, you know, the, we there's this sickness that spreads across sports media, uh, and it's it's a it's a sickness to the profession in that you have to try to convince everybody that you're right, and that's that's the, that's the nature of the business. Like you look you you're listening to me because you think I'm right. And I'm going to convince you that I'm right. And if you think differently than I do, not only are you wrong, but you're a dummy. That's what these debate shows have, have conditioned you to think. These, these first takes and these, you know, Skip Bayless-led shows and all of this silliness that happens on, on sports media television now. But I've always said here with this podcast, I don't, I don't want you to agree with me. I just want you to hear me. And I think, you know, given the nature of the way the podcasting game works is... We're essentially, on, on, on podcasting, we're personalized programming, right? It's like Instagram. You follow people that you want to on Instagram. It's like Twitter. You follow the people that you want to on Twitter. We've probably weeded out most of the stick to sports people. I still think there's a, a, a few, though they're not offended by it. They would just prefer to hear more about sports here on the podcast. And that's, and that's great. That's, it's what I try to provide. It's why I brought back Be Conscious. But obviously, you know, with what's going on in the world right now, it's, it's in in, in in Colin Kaepernick still being at the forefront, kneeling being, you know, a topic of discussion with virtually every NFL player who does an interview over the course of the last few weeks. I just ask if 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 people who and, and if you were listening to this and at any point over the course of the last yeah four years, if you were anti cap and if maybe you didn't understand what cap was doing, can you now appreciate or maybe can you now understand? the impact that Colin Kaepernick has had because kneeling now is this grand gesture of bringing attention to, to something. And you saw it in the premier league. Um, saw Megan Rapino, you know, do it years and years and years and years ago. Uh, we saw a baseball player do it for the Oakland A's. You know, there's, there's, it's, it's a gesture signifies like hey I'm I, I recognize that there are injustices in this country and they need to be corrected and this gesture that I am making is my acknowledgement that there are injustices in this country that need to be corrected are any anti-cap people 
who, whether you were then or, or, or you still are now, are you willing to acknowledge that, well, he certainly had an impact? I mean, he'll have, no matter, no matter if, if a coach brings him in, whether it's Anthony Lynn or Pete Carroll or some coach who hasn't said anything about him yet, whether he does actually rejoin the NFL, and I'm still very much of the belief it's not happening this year, it's not happening ever. No matter how much momentum is, how, how many coaches, how many general managers, how many owners are actually talking about it, everybody's talking about it because people love to talk. They love to talk without having any any action to back it up it's like what I was talking about earlier with Deuce and Mo how long have we been talking about the lack of diversity in media well talking about it over and over and over again is hollow unless you put something into action well we're trying to put something into action with Anthony Lynn and 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 and, and Pete Carroll and and Mark Davis and all of these owners and coaches and Roger Goodell it's talking there's no action If you're an anti-cat person, are you willing to acknowledge now, like, man, this, this dude has had a major impact, and we're only talking four years in. I knew the narrative on Colin Kaepernick was change, or would change, excuse me. I knew that we would look at Colin Kaepernick one day the same way we look at Muhammad Ali. I did not think it would be four years in, and maybe you still think that, that, that that's a stretch. Oh, come on, man, Muhammad Ali? No. No. Yeah. Very much so. Even if he does go back to football. Because remember... Muhammad Ali went back to boxing. You know, I, I, I told you about that tweet that someone, some, you know, ass clown in the basketball media wrote. Oh, if, if Kyrie Irving walks away from professional basketball to be the most stunning thing we've seen since Muhammad Ali walked away from boxing. It's your move, Kyrie. Like, hang on, fam. Mm-mm, that's not what happened. Muhammad Ali didn't walk away from boxing. They took boxing away from Muhammad Ali. Colin Kaepernick didn't walk away from football. They took football away from him. There are two people in the activist game, in my opinion, that stand above all else when you say they walked away from something. And one of them, I don't think is in the same class as the other. The one that's not in the same class. Jim Brown walked away from football earlier. He was an activist for sure. But he ultimately walked away to become an actor. He was an activist along the way, and you don't minimize that. But I don't think that's why he walked away from football. But he did. Wasn't taken from him. He left. Again, I think he left for Hollywood and the fact that he wasn't getting paid enough. But still, not going to minimize what he did as an activist. Maya Moore actually walked away from being one of the greatest professional basketball players on the planet. Said, nah. I've got bigger things that I'm here to do with my life and walked away from it. Wasn't taken from her like it was taken from Muhammad Ali or like it was taken from, from Colin Kaepernick. She just walked away from it. So the history, you know, on these athletes, we, 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 we already like to, to reshape it. You can already see, you know, this conversation around Kaepernick changing. And as long as someone kneels during the national anthem, it's going to change as long as, you know, people, make stupid remarks like Drew Brees did after four years still failing to understand what that gesture was about, what that demonstration was about. The conversation of Cap kneeling is going to be around. Every time there's police brutality, the conversation around Colin Kaepernick is going to be around. 
is anybody who is anti-cap willing to admit that they were wrong? I should rephrase that. That that would be that would be called leading the witness in a courtroom. Is anybody who was anti-cap have you changed your mind? Leave it at that. 916-888-5898. The National Basketball Coaches Association fears new league standards and guidelines could bar team staffers in high-risk categories uh, for the coronavirus from attending the NBA season restart in Orlando and could even severely jeopardize their future employment opportunities. This according to, again, the National Basketball Coaches Association. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of specific names that are mentioned. Mike D'Antoni, 69 years old. Alvin Gentry, who is 65 years old. And Greg Popovich, who is 71 years old. And as I read this, man, I just kept thinking, good God, does anybody want the league to come back? Because you've got the coalition of players that are worried about social justice, and Dwight Howard released the longest damn statement that was ever been issued in the history of statements yesterday, and saying, hey, we're not trying to def- divide everybody. We just want to you know, point something out. We feel like we have our platform right now. We want to we we show how powerful we are. We want to show that, that the NBA doesn't exist without African-American athletes. And I think that's a great gesture, except no one's like acknowledging that it doesn't. No one is suggesting, I should say. No one is suggesting that the NBA exists without African-American athletes. That's normally a gesture you make when someone is doubting you. I've always said, NFL, the day Donald Trump called them a bunch of son of a bitches, wouldn't you like to see them yanked off the field? They should have walked off. That's a moment right there. That's making a statement. Oh, you don't want us on the field? Okay, let's see how your game works now. Let's see how your game works without us. Nobody looks at the NBA and goes, oh, man, they'd be fine if all of the black players left. No, there's no league. It doesn't exist. So I don't get that line of thinking because that line of thinking leads me to believe that someone has suggested to you along the way that the the company could function without you, and that's... That's insanity. I can't imagine anybody has ever uttered something as ridiculous as that, like in the history of time. I don't know, maybe the early Celtics teams. Bill Russell was the only black player. I don't I don't know. But the Coaches Association went on to say that health and safety of all NBA coaches, it's our main concern. And I'm I'm just confused. Now I'm confused. One, I'm confused about who actually wants this thing to happen. And two, is there a fear that 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 guys like D'Antoni and, and, and Greg Popovich and Alvin Gentry, is there a, a, a fear that they won't be able to, that they won't pass the, I don't know, the guidelines? that They, they won't meet the standards of, of, of health in, in, in Florida? Because what's the alternative? Is the alternative to just, well, damn it. Got a couple of head coaches that are too old to do this, so let's go ahead and let's go ahead and call it off. And God bless them. And I understand as a, as a union, you fight for everybody. It's just these are a couple of names that are highlighted. Barring some extreme circumstances, Alvin Gentry's going home in a month. We know Greg Popovich has already mailed it in. If Greg Popovich had a choice, like an honest-to-God choice, 
I get the feeling he'd be like, hey, Becky, go go coach these eight games, man. I don't want to go do this. Or, or, I don't know, maybe in this case it's Timmy. Timmy, go coach these eight games. Just end this stupid season. LaMarcus already had surgery. Just to hell with all of this. Let's go. Let's just get this over with. Mike D'Antoni's actually he 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 does have to coach. He's he's going to be in the playoffs, and Houston could could have some run in the playoffs. Who knows? They might not know it's the playoffs. Been saying that for weeks. What if they're confused by the calendar and they just go on this crazy run and wind up in the NBA Finals? But what the coaches' association is attempting to point out is higher risk staffers. What I don't quite understand is how this potentially jeopardizes their future employment. Because, I, I I mean, I don't know. Alvin Gentry, yeah, he, he might he might be on his way out. And I, that's a, I mean, that's another question I think that's worth having is maybe not as necessarily it pertains to, to, to these coaches, but coaches in general, we know that the New York Knicks, they're, they're involved in their coaching search already, but they had already fired their coach. What if you are, say, New Orleans, and what if the thought of David Griffin was, you know, I'll probably let Alvin Gentry go when the season is over and find the guy who's going to guide you know, Zion and this young team into the future. I wonder if the, it's because it's going to be a very short off season, whether the season starts in December, uh, whether it starts, you know, later, it, it, no matter what, it is going to be a very, very, very short off season. Does this affect teams who were thinking about, you know, making a change? There were rumors, which which Sam Amick has has squashed, but there had been rumors at least of at least at least a conversation that the Sacramento Kings would consider firing Vivek, uh, firing Vivek, no, firing Vlade and firing um, Luke Walton. Just conversation article. There were articles written about it. Sam Amick again wrote, "Yeah, no, no that's 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 not going to happen." How much of that has been influenced by you know their their play uh, towards the end of of the first part of the season, meaning the pre-COVID shutdown part of the season, and then the fact that we went into a, a kind of a holding pattern. You know, I think all of these these factors playing for a lot of different teams. And I don't even know that 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 Luke and Vladi were were high risk in terms of being let go, but I do wonder if Alvin Gentry was or is still. I don't quite understand how it can it it, it jeopardizes their jobs of getting future opportunities unless. And maybe this is something they have already talked about. There's a a, a a a belief, or maybe an understanding, that perhaps the next NBA season might start in a bubble, or it, or or it it maybe if, even if it doesn't start in a bubble, it takes place with the same the same uh, guidelines that the NBA has put forward for this this resumption of the season. Even if the games take place in Sacramento and Los Angeles and all of these different places, you know, all of these NBA cities almost 100% without fans, but even, you know, in that sense, which also, I, I, even as I say that, now I ask the question, like, if there's no fans, why do you have to travel? Maybe we see something next year where there are multiple bubbles. I know we've already talked about that. That has nothing to do with this conversation, so I'll just leave it. They used, they used terms, the, the, the coaches association used terms like there's the th- uh, direct threat language at the heart of the league's apparent belief that it can bar high-risk individuals without running afoul of the law. So the, the way that these guidelines are, are laid out is it, it says that that 100, and I think it was a 113-page document that Shams was tweeting about the other day. It says that if someone does not meet the guidelines that have been put forward in this, the health guidelines, I should say, that have been put forward in this document, then 
they can bar that person from taking part. And it appears that the coaches association feels that this might be targeted at coaches, particularly older coaches and perhaps just older staff in general. I saw that article and just thought, man, my gosh, at this point, I'm starting to wonder who even wants the season to return besides fans and Adam Silver and LeBron. The NCAA Division I Council on Wednesday approved a six-week practice plan for football. Oh, good. A six-week practice plan for football that begins in July and will transition teams from the current voluntary workouts amid the coronavirus pandemic to the mandatory meetings and preseason camps to prepare for the 2020 season. Oh. What? Okay. So... I'm fine with this. I'm okay with this. But I swear all the way to hell if we see anything like that Buckeye pledge again. These aren't these these aren't employees going back to work. These are students going back to school. You can't absolve yourself if you're Ohio State, Michigan, Stanford, USC. UCLA, any Division I college program, can't absolve yourself. If you're going to ask these kids to come to work for you for free, you better take care of them if they get sick. And this, this is the uncomfortableness of being a fan of, of college football. Because, like, that's just gross. Like, that Buckeye pledge was awful. What are you guys doing? This is just terrible. Couple of follow-ups, couple of anniversaries on this day in 2000. Anybody know? June 18, 2000. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. He won his third major championship. And it was one of the craziest majors he's ever won. It was one of the craziest championships he's ever won. Here is Tiger Woods' uh, 2000 U.S. Open performance. By the numbers. 10. That's the number of shots that Tiger led by entering the final round. That was an open record. 9. The win was Tiger's ninth victory over his last 15 starts. That run included 14 top 5 finishes over that 15 start. The one outlier is he tied for 18th in the 2000 Nissan Open. 8. No one in U.S. history ever finished better than eight under in a single tournament. Tiger finished 12 under. Seven. There was just one seven on Tiger's scorecard for the week. It was a triple bogey on the par four third hole in the third round. Six. The win was Tiger's second of the year at Pebble Beach. Uh, after winning the AT&T Pebble Beach in February, he and Jack Nicholas were the only players to win multiple events at one course within the same year. Five. Tiger Woods led outright after every round in the tournament, becoming just the fifth wire-to-wire champion. The 2000 U.S. Open was special for Jack Nicklaus as well, who made his uh, 44th and final U.S. Open start. Do I, Tiger, 
Tiger won by 15 shots. I was going to give you the top 10 crazy numbers, but I actually started boring myself as I kept going down them. There's still a whole bunch of other stats, but I realized, gosh, I got a lot of stats here for a tournament that took place 20 freaking years ago. Tiger won this tournament by 15 shots, man. That is just absolutely insane. Oh, speaking of uh, sports anniversaries, uh, this happened on this day. On this day in 2013. Should the Spurs foul? Should Miami go for the three right away? Just attack the basket. James catches, puts up a three. Won't go. Rebound, box. Back out to Allen. His three-pointer. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Ray Allen. Spurs do not have a timeout. But the officials are going to review to see if Allen was behind the line. Man, this shot is crazy as I'm watching it. It just tiptoes behind the line. Chris Bosh with a huge crazy. rebound. And now instant replay, enormous. Man, it's still crazy to see that shot. Gosh, that's extraordinary. How did San Antonio lose this? Oh man, I don't know how I don't know how San Antonio lost that game. That is that is absolutely wild. On this day in 2000, wait, oh, wait a minute. No, this is tomorrow. Is that tomorrow? Hang on. Oh, that's tomorrow. Nope, I almost I I got to get a new website for this on this day stuff cuz I've I've completely screwed up. I mentioned I don't know how you miss I I, I don't know how you miss your favorite hip hop artist's birthday. Nobody pray for me. Yeah, yeah. We, we were talking about Cube and Pac, and I managed to, I managed to miss Kendrick Lamar's birthday yesterday. I need a new, I need a new website, man. The boy show prep is trash right Quick note before we get out of here. Um, I'm sure a lot of you saw yesterday uh, some brands are starting to change their so-called spokespeople. Uh, one of the uh, brands at the forefront of this that you probably read a lot about yesterday was Aunt Jemima. And, uh, of course, white Twitter was hard at work yesterday. And I don't mean white people at Twitter. When I say white Twitter, you probably know what I'm referring to. I was like, oh, this is getting out of control. Like, my gosh, Aunt Jemima's not racist. I've been eating Aunt Jemima pancakes since I was two years old. I was a little tyke and I was eating Aunt Jemima pancakes. There's nothing racist about that. Nancy Green is the person who the product is, is built after. Nancy Green is the name of the woman that you know as Aunt Jemima. She's not a character that was created. She is an actual person. And in 19, or excuse me, uh, she, by the way, she was also born a slave in 1834. And in 1889, somebody got the idea of ready-made pancake mix. And they needed an image to put upon this, to put upon this ready-made pancake mix. So they went with uh, what was in, in, in 
blackface movies at the time and in, in, in minstrel movies. They, they, there was they referred to the, whether it was the mother or the motherly figure as like a mammy. It's very popular in in minstrel shows across the South. So they decided to call the product Aunt Jemima because Nancy Green. Well, that's not going to sell pancakes. Nancy Green doesn't give you that that mammy feel. Nancy Green doesn't give you that black servant feel, which is which is what they wanted from Aunt Jemima, the black servant. It's, remember, this is this is the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. So they paraded her around the country as the first Negro spokeswoman. It was hilarious. I was actually seeing black people saying, no, this is terrible. Aunt Jemima should be celebrated. She's the first black spokeswoman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was. Know what she got paid for? Know what she got paid for her image? Pennies. Not figurative pennies. She essentially got paid nothing. You know how many royals royalties she got out of her name or her image, excuse me, being on you know, the most popular uh, syrup and ready to make a uh, 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 pancake mix? None. The company made billions and billions of dollars off the face of a black minstrel image. The over, you know, over exaggerated face when the, in the in the in the cartoon uh, version of of Nancy Green, and now all of a sudden we have this this awareness. Oh, we didn't know that this was racist. We didn't realize what this image was born from. You know who owns Aunt Jemima? Pepsi. Pepsi company owns Aunt Jemima. After all of these years, they finally decided to shut it down. And Nancy Green's descendants have received nothing for it. It's the importance of understanding your history. It's the importance of not just looking at an image and assuming you know what it means. It's understanding the history of an image. It's understanding that the woman on that package was born a slave. It's understanding that that woman on that package is based off a character that grew popular in the Jim Crow South. Everybody says they, 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 they want to listen. They want to learn. Well, use this time to listen and to learn. Special edition of Be Conscious dropping tonight at midnight. Go check out the latest episode of Relive featuring all of the wild events surrounding WrestleMania 10. And make sure you are locked in here for our Friday edition of the podcast with Damian Barling.